0: Today you've joined hundreds of established and emerging writers who are discovering ways to reach their writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. You're listening to Ann Croker, Writing Coach. This is episode 171, an interview with Sean Smucker on co-writing, ghostwriting, and prioritizing your own work. At a writing conference held October 12th and 13th, 2018, I interviewed three authors who served on the speaking team. We discussed all things writing, like their writing challenges, their writing process, and their writing advice, all for you. And I'm going to share these conversations with you, mixing them in with my standard short solo episodes. In other words, you're not going to get all three in a row. But you'll know an interview from a solo show because I'll include interview in the subject line. That way you can set aside a longer chunk of time to listen. Today, I bring you the first of the three, a conversation with author Sean Smucker. We discussed his work as a co-writer, ghostwriter, and novelist, and our discussion took place just before release day for his nonfiction book, Once We Were Strangers. Here is Sean Smucker. So I'm here at, uh, I'm at a writing conference, and I have with me today Sean Smucker, and we're in a writing conference setting where people are in a session right now, but they might come, like... Yeah. out of you know peeling out of that and we might have a lot of ambient noise we'll just pretend like it's an npr show yeah. you're, you know, out in a setting and you're hearing other yeah. extra conversations and whatnot yeah. so there's a little distraction we apologize mm-hmm. but it's mostly here and i'm here with sean and sean is going to introduce himself to you
1: yeah so i'm sean smucker um i am the author of two ya novels uh the day the angels fell was the first one and the edge of over there is the second one. And I have a memoir coming out on Tuesday, which would be October 16th. And that is Once We Were Strangers. It's the story of my friendship with a Syrian refugee.
0: Wow, you are prolific. Tell me a little bit about where, <laughs> like, what's your writing journey? Maybe go back to the beginning. Okay. What are your writing sure. beginnings?
1: Yeah, so I started writing, uh, I started writing every day when I was in college. I went through kind of a tough semester. I was probably on the edge of depression and started writing every day just sort of as a reflection, a time of reflection. And it stuck with me. Up until those days, I was really primarily a reader. I just loved to read. Um, But when I started journaling, it it, it was something that meant a lot to me. So I journaled pretty extensively for maybe 15 years um, before I really got out into the official writing world Um, and I started co-writing in about 2008 was the first book that I co-wrote and that was a twist of faith it was the memoir of Anne Byler, the founder of Auntie Anne's soft pretzels and from there it just kind of opened up more opportunities and so in 2010 I started co-writing and ghostwriting full-time and that's what I've done for the last eight years or so I've written about 20 books for other people Um, A third of those probably have been uh, traditionally published and two thirds are self published. Those are typically family histories or, you know, someone wants to preserve their business story for their family and friends. And so, yeah.
0: So this just happened. Then, sort of, you stumbled into it organically, but mm-hmm. it became your—is it your pr- primary? Yeah, of yeah. It's and my. It's how job. I
1: make a living. Yeah, we're a one-income family, so it's all down to me. <laughs> and it works. Uh, yeah, it does work. I I wrote a little bit about it in. Um, I have a free ebook, "Building a Life Out of Words." And that is kind of the story of the transition that we went from. I had a painting business in Virginia from 2005 to 2009. And that was right when um, the housing bubble burst. Mm -hmm. And so we had a significant amount of debt in in 2009. And at that point, I was just starting my second co-written book for someone else. And I thought, wow, like what if I could make a living doing this? And we really had nothing to lose. My wife and I, we had four kids at the time. And so we moved into my parents' basement for about six months just to get our feet back under us. And that's when I started co writing. And, and we really said, you know what, we're going to give it six months. We're, we'll just see not very if. Long. No, it's not. Um, wow. But projects started coming up, and I was reaching out to people who, you know, when I wrote that first book in 2008, a lot of people came to me and said, oh, I wish I could write a book. And so I just started following up with those people and saying, hey, are you serious? You know, do you really want to write a book? And so I was writing books for almost nothing (laughs) just so I could pay the bills, you know. So the first year in that first year or two, I learned a lot about what it would take for me to make a living doing this because I realized pretty quickly I can't charge $5,000 to write a book Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be the sole Income person in our family, and do it for a living. Okay. Um, there are some people who do it for that amount, um, and it's part time for them or extra money. But I realized I could maybe write four or five books for other people a year, and so I needed to figure out, you know, how can mm-hmm. I make that sustainable?
0: And you just did the math, mm-hmm. you looked at Basically. the industry standards, yeah. or mm-hmm. what? Yeah,
1: I so I spoke with a couple of agents and and asked how. You know what does a beginning writer charge? And the, you know, ten years ago, they recommended fifteen to twenty thousand for a book, mm-hmm. um, and so that was kind of the range that I tried to get. I still didn't get that for all the projects that I did, but that's what I was shooting for. Um, and then as the years passed and our you know our needs kind of increased, and um, I became more experienced, I could start to add to that. So wow,
0: yeah. And so you still do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you write your own books? Yes. How does that work, Sean? <laughs> How do you pull it off?
1: Well. Um, now that I, I get um, small advances for my own work, that takes a little bit of the pressure off of the number of books I have to write for other people. I also have kind of fallen into a good opportunity where I'm on a retainer for an organization that does co-writes. And so they'll just send me chapters or things like that. And that's been really helpful.
0: Meaning um, you're only rewriting one chapter? or what do Yeah, so so
1: they so, so the organization is kind of... They're the ones who, who bring in the books mm-hmm. um, and the book contracts and then they have some writers that work on them. Okay. So they will send me you know recordings of the author or chapters that have been sort of written, things like that. So I'm, the whole... I'm not doing the whole book, but I might do what we need to get to the next level or you know things like that. So that's been helpful. And I still, yeah, just co-write books for people. So an old client who I wrote a book for in 2013 called me you know, a couple months ago. She wants to do another book. And so, wow. yeah, it just uh, it keeps happening somehow. <laughs>
0: what is it like yeah. to be shifting from your own voice mm, then in, right. into and somebody else's? And...
1: Right. So um, I don't find it that difficult because of the way that I co-write. It's mostly through transcriptions. Uh, so I record, you know, someone, I'll sit down with someone and we'll interview them and record the story they want to tell. And then I'll use that recording to to list out transcription and then I'll take the transcription and rewrite that. Okay. Um, so the words that come out are very much in their voice. It's the words they choose to use when, you know, when they're speaking. The diction is very similar to theirs. So I don't feel like that takes... Um, like I don't have to really get into a voice necessarily to do that because it's kind of provided through the information. Um, but for me, more now, it's it's about time. It's about you know how can I how can I still make a living, co-writing three or four books a year. And then find the time to write my book that year, or
0: and be a a dad, and be a dad, yeah, husband with six kids, and yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And what? Any secrets? Any tips (laughs) on that? Because I think time is it comes up again and again Mm -hmm. with people I talk with. Yeah, sure. I think
1: um, well, I'm. It's very good for me to get into routines. I'm very much a routine person. So for me to know, I'm going to write from nine to one um, or whatever it might be that day, like to just get into a solid routine helps, especially with my own work, um, especially with my own work. When I'm writing my own books, I'm in it every day. I have to make time for that every day. And actually when I'm writing my own books, I do that work first. I think you have to find, you have to think about, you know, at one point, maybe five or six years ago, I really started to think, you know what, I could live my whole life writing books for other people and never write my own things, you know, that I really want to write. And it was at that point that I made that switch to writing my own things first every day. Um, So that way I know it's going to happen. And it might just be for an hour, you know, maybe the first hour I work on my stuff. Uh, But that way it happens. Um, I love
0: that. That you're prioritizing Mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah,
1: yeah. And And then, you know, you do the stuff you love to do and that's important to you and then the stuff that pays the bills has to get done. And right. so then I make sure that happens. If you do it in reverse, the stuff that pays the bills will take up all the time and then there's not going to be anything left at the end of the day to do your own things, you know. So
0: Such a good point. I think it's unusual for though that the you some people work full time and you know, their, um, IT professional and then right. they come home and they do their writing. But the fact that you make your living with words mm. that are writing stories, you wouldn't write mm-hmm. on your own. You wouldn't yeah. choose to write that, but then you still have words left over. How do you have yeah. so many words <laughs> in you? So,
1: well, like I said, the, the process of co-writing for me has become almost automatic wow. in the process that I follow. So okay. once I have those transcriptions, it doesn't necessarily feel like a, a huge creative drain. I mean, there's some involvement, you know, as far as creativity goes, but for the most part, I'm really just trying to capture what they're saying. So,
0: do you, do you develop your own set of questions so that you know? Do you pull out of them what you want, or do, how, how does that? How it's mostly that
1: conversational. Yeah, oh, I don't okay. have, I don't really have a list of questions per se. And a lot of times I'll go into a, a, a session with a client without anything written out. I mean, I really leave it up to them to kind of lead the conversation. It's nice when they're good storytellers, you know, and I don't have to kind of dig or go back. But but with some people, you have to do that. Everybody sees the world differently, so, yeah. Yeah,
0: and how long do those sessions last?
1: I usually need to do 12 to 15 hours total with someone to get, you know, 40 to 50,000 words worth.
0: That is interesting to have those statistics, to actually Mm. think about it takes that much Oral storytelling Mm -hmm. then to hone that Mm -hmm. down into something that's actually a book. How do you find an arc in somebody else's story? You just Mm. listen for it? Are you taking Um, notes on the Well normally
1: yeah, so normally when you're working with someone who wants to write a book, there's a reason. You know, there's there's something that has that's compelling them to do this. And with that, uh, so, so normally with that, there's like an inciting event or, you know, like a climax. And so that's usually where we start is, okay. you know, what's the most dramatic part of the story that you really need to tell? Mm. Uh, and once we have that, it, it can be, it's pretty straightforward to kind of walk back from that point. Mm. So, yeah. so,
0: yeah, reverse engineering mm-hmm. it in a way by starting yeah. with there. Oh, that's yeah. really good. Yeah. How how much did once we were strangers and maybe you might want to describe that a little bit Mm -hmm. how did that did that follow any because your voice is in there did it follow any similar pattern that you would do with the co-writing or with ghost writing no no okay (laughs) tell me about that yeah sure explain it to our listeners sure Mm
1: -hmm. it was it was probably the hardest book I've ever written and mostly because I went into it with sort of a preconceived idea of what the book was going to look like and then as I was working with Muhammad and as I was collecting his his story I was starting to realize okay this is not this is not what I thought and what I thought it was gonna be was much more of a sort of an action like someone fleeing a war-torn country and the things that they went through and while that's a small portion of the book I realized pretty quickly that you know a refugee's life is made up of a lot of boring days and a lot of waiting and so you know he spent four years in Jordan Doing nothing, honestly, you know, like they would sit in their apartment for the sunlight hours, and he would go out and get groceries. The kids couldn't go to school. He wasn't allowed to work. Um, so, as I started to write the book, I realized that what the book was really going to be about was Muhammad and me, you know, and and how we met and how his story changed me. Um, yeah. So, so it was a different book. It was a harder book. Um, and i because it didn't really follow the templates that i had before with with the co-writing and and capturing other people's stories
0: did that make it a challenge or fun or a, not really fun maybe but like
1: it was a it? challenge yeah it was a real challenge it felt like hard work that was mm-hmm. that was a book that that um yeah, it it just felt like hard work. Mm-hmm. I don't know how else to explain it.
0: But you were flowing out of a relationship, mm-hmm. a friendship. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah so yeah. did it, did it was that hard on the relationship, or was mm-hmm. it did it enrich? How did, how it, did it? Yeah. Balance?
1: No. It really enriched it. He loves telling his story. He loves it, and it's really important to him. And his boys would be in and out. They have four sons, and his oldest son speaks really good English. So we would sometimes have to rely on him to translate for us. Okay. And sometimes I would ask the oldest son, so what did you think about that? You know, like, what memories did you have of the refugee camp? Or what memories did you have of fleeing Syria, you know, through 20 miles of wilderness? Like, what, you know, what was that like? And so it was, um, it was a really, talking about the book with him was not stressful or difficult apart from the communication challenges you know of, of trying to get a story from someone who doesn't speak your language primarily that was that was a challenge yeah yeah
0: but you did it and it's coming out yes Both by the time they listen to this it mm-hmm. will be out and yeah. they can mm-hmm. buy it wherever books are sold yes right? so. yeah um what are what, what are some of the things that have been really big struggles for you as a writer in a whole mm-hmm. I'm thinking mm-hmm. in the whole of your of your writing life yeah. You mentioned time. We've yeah. about time, and maybe yeah. that's
1: it. No, I think, um, I mean, jealousy is a huge one. I think it's it's a challenge when you have, uh, you know, the good part of my life is that I have a, a, such a good writing community. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm really close friends with so many writers, and it's it's been a huge blessing to me to have that, um, just people to talk to, people to throw ideas off of, people to commiserate with, and... Um, and then sometimes it, it feels like, oh, they're making a lot more progress than I am. You know, they're, they're moving along faster. And and so that can, you know, jealousy can creep up from time to time. And I find it, it the best way for me to work through that is just to, to be a, a strong supporter of my friends. and Because I find like when I'm, when I'm sharing what they're up to and what their successes are, I feel like I'm part of it. And it and it becomes easier for me not to not to be bothered by it.
0: That's really excellent. How do you find your writing friends? Uh, good
1: question. Well, back, I think I found most of them back in the blogging days, like when I was blogging every day. The good and, old days. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so so many of my friends were blogging every day. I was blogging every day. We were sharing and reading, and I think we had to look into each other's lives that. You know, we don't have anymore without that daily, um, mm-hmm. that daily sort of journaling, almost. But yeah, that's that's where I connected most. And then from there, you know, we would meet up for the first time in real life at conferences or places like that. So,
0: so you yeah, so not everybody can find that, I think, mm. and so I'm just wondering if we can give reader or yeah, listeners an sure. um, uh, idea of where they can. go. I think these
1: I... days, I think while while Facebook can be a little bit treacherous, I think Facebook groups can be really helpful. There are a lot of great writing groups out there that that you can start to connect with people through that. I think that's go one in way. Meet yeah. people, yeah, mm-hmm. and
0: then look, and then maybe go to conferences. I think mm-hmm. you you hit on something that's really important to you know be in face to face like you and I happen Mm -hmm. to be sitting across from each other that won't always happen if I'm doing an interview on Zoom but still Mm -hmm. we're we're, we're interacting two people two writers talking about our craft
1: yeah and I think that really solidifies things right so I think that I, I think uh, online friend friendships are real. I think they're mm-hmm. legitimate. I think you know we get a lot out of them. Yeah. Um, but I think when we finally do meet face to face, it just it kind of solidifies everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you have that, when you have that physical time with someone, I think it's really it's really cool.
0: Yeah, I did too. How do you develop as a writer? How do you, what's your pro- professional development, mm. maybe from early days to now? I know mm-hmm. you had that daily writing practice, which mm-hmm. is amazing, and probably that would be something we could always reintroduce mm-hmm. at different stages yeah. as we need to. But like, yeah. what else do you do?
1: Yeah, um, I think yeah. So I think just writing a ton for years was a was a huge thing for me. I, I mean, I think I calculated I wrote a million words from you know with my blog and the books I was writing over like a seven or eight year span you know so there's no substitute for that but for me another another area of growth has been rereading books uh and and reading them in a really analytical way so novels so i want to write fiction i want to write more fiction Um, i'll reread the books that mean a lot to me in a way that i'm trying to pick apart how did the author do this or how did they start the book or how did you know where did the first hook come in and how how did they introduce their characters, and what was the structure of the story? And you know, what's their what's the dialogue like? Could I do that? Could I practice dialogue? So sometimes I'll practice some things like that. But a real um, a real big thing for me is rereading books and, and just trying to see what the what what's, the author what's did. What's a book you've read? Are we, are we share oh yeah, with so us? yeah, all the light we cannot see is a favorite. Oh, yeah. yes. um, all of Marilyn Robinson's books, I really mm-hmm. I reread those. Mm-hmm. Home and Lila and Gilead. A and menie um I don't know. by John Irving one of my oh, top 3 oh, books of all okay. time. Yeah, so oh. um well, yeah, now I have to read it. Yeah, you do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so are you
0: are you throwing out some some authors and are is are those like I feel kind of like I'm in that world. I feel oh. like those. I um, mean, I know you, you can't you no, feel yeah, funny comparing I, yourself to I John Irving. I yeah. don't. Yeah.
1: No, I don't at all, but I feel like um, I feel like they have so much to teach us, you know. And so I think if Whatever genre you're in, find the writers who really speak to you, and, and reread. I re- you know, a lot of people don't like to do that. They feel like, oh, it's a waste of time, or, you know, there's so many books in the world I want to read. I don't want to reread books, but I feel like it's such a great way to really learn the craft, you know, especially if you're not getting an MFA, and you're, maybe you're not in a writer's group yet, or in between groups, or you've never been in one. I, j- I just feel like that's a really practical way to learn.
0: Now, you have books out. Do you have your MFA? Do you have an no. MFA? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it didn't no. sound like it mm-hmm. from your story. Yeah. What do you think about that? Do you have any thoughts? I think it comes up a lot. People think, oh, I better go do that.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of people who have their MFA say that one of the best things they got out of the, out of it was connections, you know, to other writers. So it could be really good for that. I think it, it, it forces you to write. So if you're really having trouble with sort of a personal writing discipline, I think it would be beneficial I think there's a lot to learn, you know, and I, I feel like I I tried to get into MFA programs throughout the years, like in the early oh, days did. when I was right out of college and nothing really worked out. I don't know if I would do it now because I feel like I have the things in place already, you know, that, that I would want from an MFA program. I kind of already have a lot of those things in place. So, yeah. um, but I yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a wonderful thing to do if you can get into a program and um, I mean, financially, I think that's another big consideration. You know, do you want to take on that kind of debt? Um, for me and my wife, since the, the Virginia experience with painting and going into debt, we really started to see how debt was shaping the way that we were living and even, you know, having a big influence on how much time I had to write um, so I think that's a, that's a big consideration too. You know, are you going to take mm-hmm. on that kind of debt and then you have to work X amount of hours a week mm-hmm. in order to pay that off? How much time is that going to take from your ability to write? So a lot right. of questions. Those
0: are, those are good questions and good ways to start to filter that and, and to make the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have, so your first books were these, these ghostwritten or co-written books. Mm-hmm. Then you started down the fiction path, mm-hmm. and now you have a non-fiction book. First of all, um, how, how did that come about with the fiction? Tell me your mm-hmm. the story, because I think you maybe went non-traditional first. Yeah, or, I uh, did, yeah. That.
1: So The Day the Angels Fell was a book that I uh, self-published, independently published, in 2014. And that was the result of a couple of years of work, and it, it actually came out of a—I was in Turkey— co-writing a book for a man who was dying of cancer and I came back from that extremely impacted by the experience having sat with him you know for three or four hours a day and he's literally in his last months and in the meantime I'd also been wanting to write a book for my kids for a long time you know either middle grade or young adult and that summer I thought I'm just gonna do it I'm just gonna write this book and so that was 2013 wrote the book and then just kind of sat on it tried to find an agent wasn't really having any luck. And by the end of 2014, two of my high school friends had passed away—one um, by cancer, one in a car accident—and I thought, you know what? I'm just not waiting anymore. I'm tired of waiting, and so I self-published at the end of 2014 through Kickstarter, and that helped to cover, you know, the cover design and editing. Um, I think I raised maybe seven or eight thousand dollars through Kickstarter, so it was it was really awesome, and it was fun because people so, felt so invested in it. You know, like they were part of it, they were part of funding it mm-hmm. and creating it. And you know the people who donated money had their names in the back, and I had people stopping by the house. Are the books ready yet? You know, like they were so excited. So buzz, you created buzz. Yeah, it was great. You could create a quality product because you could invest. Exactly. So then what happened? So then uh, that was December of 2014. At the end of 2015, I had just about finished writing the sequel. And in the meantime, I had picked up a literary agent to help me find co-writing work. So Mm. I didn't really have her on board. We hadn't partnered up necessarily for my own stuff, but it was mostly just as another avenue for me to try and find work. She read The Day the Angels Fell and loved it and said, hey, why don't you let me shop this around? And I was like, well, it's self-published, you know, I already put it out there. And she said, well, she said, I don't know. I think we might be able to sell it, you know. So she did, and that would have been the beginning of 2016. And by June, we had a couple of offers and ended up going with Revel and signed a three-book deal with them
0: Three books.
1: to do The Day the Angels Fell, the sequel, The Edge of Over There, which just, which just came out this summer, and then a third uh, standalone novel that comes out next summer. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks.
0: So then, the how about the the nonfiction book that's coming out? Yeah, now? so
1: that was a separate contract. I uh, put same that company? proposal. Yeah, same yeah, okay. same publishing house. But I put that proposal out. Uh, yeah, about a year and a half ago. So and
0: contractually, it's not mm-hmm. related to the fiction. That was not a separate all. thing, three book thing. And yeah. then this is a separate new thing. Mm-hmm. And it was just a standalone. Yes.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: So because I think people who are new to the publishing world are sort mm-hmm. of curious about all that mm-hmm. all the process. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. Do you have any suggestions on how somebody would, like, uh, how do they enter into all that? Like when mm. they have their, uh, you know, what, yeah. what's your opinion yeah. on the process? I know you had a little bit of an unusual thing happen there. Yeah, and they're not going to mm-hmm. follow. So it's not like you necessarily have to have a plan that sure. they would follow three right. steps right, to right, right. publishing the easy way.
1: No, I think sort of at the foundation of it was relationships. You know, so uh, I ended up signing with my agent Ruth. Because I emailed a ton of my friends and said, hey, guys, I don't have a book proposal. And these were all friends who had agents. I said, guys, I don't have a book proposal. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm not trying to sell your agents anything. But I'm a co-writer looking for work. And I know some agents like to have co-writers on board in case they come across someone who has a great idea but isn't a writer or needs help. Um, so would any of your agents be interested? And so one of my friends, Sarah May forwarded my letter to her agent and Ruth got back to me. So really at the foundation of that was, was relationships. You know, I, I had met Sarah at a conference two or three years before ends up, she lives like the next town over from me. We became friends, our families became friends. And so,
0: that's so cool. I think
1: it's just, yeah, I think that's, that's wow. a huge part of it is being willing to put yourself out there, mm-hmm. meet people, go to conferences and mm-hmm. and I have a lot of people who don't who aren't huge fans of conferences because they're like, well, you can't be taught how to write. You know, mm-hmm. like you have to like writing is something that you either have or you don't. And I'm not going to argue about that right now. But I think for me, that's not I don't go to conferences to learn how reason, to write better. You okay. know, I know maybe yeah. some people do, but I really go just to connect with people because I enjoy it. Um, I like to see the people that I met online in person um, and I get to do this kind of stuff. So, yeah, you know, you it's great.
0: And I, yeah, exactly. Oh, but one other thing.
1: So my wife just finished a middle grade novel. And the reason I bring that up is because now I'm starting the process with her of trying to find an agent of, you know, writing queries and writing book proposals. And again, we're really relying on relationships, you know, so my agent won't represent husbands and wives. Spouses. Okay. So, but she's more than willing to give, rec, you know, referrals and recommendations yeah. to other agents who might mm. be interested. So all of these things come into play.
0: I think it, I think it's true. And even in the New York world, which is not, not your publishing company, mm-hmm. but I think they're just, again, if you can get yeah. connected in some way, yeah. just by attending events, mm-hmm. and meeting people, having that business card out, yeah. at least it's a different, I'm sure it's a different vibe, but yeah. in the end, it's the same thing. Face to face, they yeah. meet you. They see that you're easy to work with, yeah. and that you have yeah. a vibrant personality, or yeah. you have a great idea, yeah. and you're articulate, and you yeah. would be great to work with. Well, so, yeah, uh,
1: and it's really funny because I was just talking with a writer a couple of days ago here at the conference, or maybe it was yesterday, and she had initially signed up for a spot with one of the literary or with one of the editors from Ravel. And then she had heard that the agent wasn't taking on YA anymore. So she so she's telling me this. So I canceled that. I'm going to, you know, do some other things. And I said, well, I'm not sure that that's the case. I think that, I think you should meet with her. Like, I think she might, you know, be open to that. So today she came over and she was like, oh my goodness, I had the meeting. She wants to see my proposal. Like, you know, and she was so happy. And I thought that would never have happened if we wouldn't have connected. So the conversation with you. Exactly, yeah. The
0: conversation in an unexpected, pleasant outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. You're right. I think that interactions are underestimated and they can happen online. I think Mm -hmm. what you have, the story you've told, Mm -hmm. a lot of it started through blogging, which means it started Mm -hmm. online. Mm -hmm. And even if you hadn't met in person, yeah. You still have the relationship. So if we just yes. come back to that core principle mm-hmm. is make friends with people yes. and support their mm-hmm. work. I think yes, you said it exactly. earlier. Yeah. These are great principles that can lead to a very fruitful life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if nothing else, you're you're having fun and supporting their work like yeah. you have described as your way of dealing even with the professional jealousy. Yeah. You, you, all, it's all tying together. It's all mm-hmm. coming back to relationships, yeah. which <laughs> yeah. is wonderful because, you know, your yeah. new book is about relationships in mm-hmm. uh, your forthcoming yeah. book. And um, so I have a couple other questions. So, for example, of all the work you've done, Mm. what are you most pleased with? Mm. Now, you could substitute proud of if Mm -hmm. you want to. Pleased of, pleased with, or proud of.
1: Um, I think it would be, for me, it's still The Day the Angels Fell, the first novel that I wrote, the YA one, just because of the journey that I went through with that, you know, from from being in Turkey and writing the book with this gentleman who became my friend and then died of cancer, coming home and sort of entering into these ideas with my family. I mean, I remember we were sitting around the dinner table and I'm asking my kids, what do you like about books? What should be in this story? You know, and they're, you know, just popping up ideas and then writing it and then self-publishing it was such a such a fun experience. I mean, i really had a lot of fun and I would not have any qualms of going back and doing that again. I mean, you know, I have I have a few more books under contract, novels with Ravel, but, you know, if someday I don't have that, the self-publishing thing is a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. So, wow. yeah, I think The Day the Angels Fell will always have a special place in my heart.
0: It's a shift in your career. Yeah. Mm-hmm. T- tell me though, this is really interesting. So with your co-writing and your ghostwriting, you're interviewing people, all the materials there, mm-hmm. then what you just described is kind of an unusual process to come up with for a book. Mm-hmm. You were, you just described talking to your kids. What do you like about yeah. books? Yeah. How did you like you formulated your first book like out of that you you hmm. didn't just let the spark of inspiration drop <laughs> yeah. from above and, and yeah. Yeah, Tom, like yeah. is that is that how it's you do an all in,
1: of so so it, it's kind of an interesting that book was an interesting combination of yeah inspired spark and sort of practical planning, right? So the practical planning came around the table and we asked my kids, you know, what should happen? And one of them said, I remember one of them said, well, maybe the mom should die. And my wife is like, why does the mom always have to die? <laughs> true. You know, Every Disney
0: play. <laughs> right.
1: So there was that, you know, and, and that was really fun. Once I finished the book and I read through it and I started to see, wow, like this was So much of what came through that book, I could not have even planned. I didn't even realize what I was doing. But the main character is trying to bring back his mom. Um, She's died, and he's trying to figure out a way to bring her back. And I realized, like, I am him. Like, I'm trying to figure out how to get around death, like, how to not die. You know, like, I've just spent all this time with this guy who's dying, and I'm feeling now paranoid about death. And so I write this book, and all this stuff came through, that I, you know, I could never have even planned. Um, but for me, that that comes back to being faithful in writing, you know, because you just don't know what's going to come out when you take that time get the words down.
0: So when it comes to plotters and pantsers, mm-hmm. it sounds like you're more of a pantser, I, with a little bit of yeah, forethought. Mm-hmm. For exactly,
1: yeah. So I was a complete pantser before, and wrote two or three novels that just sputtered into nothing at like 10 or 15,000 words you know and and got really frustrated with that so with the day the angels fell what I mostly what I did was write the first 10 to 15,000 words and this is kind of what I do now and then once I get to that point look ahead a little bit and say okay what am I shooting for what do I envision the climax being Um, what's you know what's the kind of resolution that I think is going to happen those things can still change but at least I have a target uh, and so that that gives me a, a higher level of comfort moving and that forward.
0: That did you mm-hmm. did your target change mm-hmm. uh, on that? Point? No,
1: it was it was pretty much what I thought. Now, I didn't know the details of how that scene was going to go down, but I, I, I did have a vision for what was going to happen. Okay. Yeah.
0: How about platform? And this, I think, you are an interesting one to speak to this. I mm. didn't. I, I don't always know how people will re- react to this mm-hmm. it's something we have to deal with professionally yeah. it's a reality of the publishing industry mm-hmm. but you have now all these different mm-hmm. threads of your of your writing life yeah. that are not tidally drawn together or maybe mm-hmm. they are maybe I don't know how you do mm-hmm. this how yeah. do you market and build a platform that can sell both this nonfiction mm-hmm. book your and then you have this I guess the co-authored stuff is sort of a different thing right but then you've got fiction hmm Talk about that for people who are thinking about platform. Is it, do
1: you have, mm-hmm. are you
0: running two different ships? And two well, I, no,
1: I'm not, but I would say that if you are writing fiction, just don't worry about platform. I mean, do what you want to do and do what's fun for you and connect with readers as much as you can, but that is such a small piece of the puzzle, you know, when it comes to fiction. And so, in about 2000 and uh, maybe five years ago, probably, I realized that I was. Following a path that had been set before me, a platform path, to try and build this huge platform so that I could get a book deal. And it was at that point that I realized, but I want to write fiction. So why am I doing this? Like, I should be getting better at fiction, right? And all I'm getting better at right now is, um, you know, writing blog posts and, you know, interacting with people on social media, which is great. But it's not, I'm not writing. You know, I'm not taking the time to actually write novels. And so, Yeah, that's when I I kind of had this unofficial goal that I would write 10 books in 10 years and and I just wanted to get better of my own novels Mm. and I just wanted to get better, you know, and I thought the only way I'm going to get better is by actually doing it. So, I mean, I understand the importance of platform, but I think if you can show that you're, that you're, you have some momentum in that area, maybe your numbers aren't crazy. They're not huge. My numbers are not huge. <laughs> Trust me. Like I do not have huge platform numbers. I probably only have medium-sized platform numbers, but you know, an editor saw the work that I've already done. They've seen how I interact on social media. They see the momentum that I have. And so they were willing to do a nonfiction book with me, even with my meager numbers, you know? So It's possible, and I think a lot of times we just don't put enough emphasis on creating quality books that people want to read. You know, where so much of the emphasis is on build a platform, build a platform, and that's important. But we have to be getting better as writers. You know, we have to be improving. And um, if we're not, I think the scary thing is if you're not, you can build a huge platform. And maybe you'll get a book deal, um, but the book isn't going to go anywhere you know, because it's just not going to connect with people.
0: That's really good. And I've heard that too, that, uh, that fiction is less important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, hopefully you can still reach out mm-hmm. and find readers. Yeah. And there is a whole podcast called the novel marketing podcast. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. <laughs> I had not heard of that before. So yeah. And, and they're fun to listen to. And mm-hmm. uh, you yeah, know, got some Christie award winner. Oh, that, nice. Is one of them. And, okay. But I, I think you're right in the mm-hmm. end can you create quality work? Because Mm -hmm. if you build all that up Mm -hmm. and you have the release into the world, this book, and it's sort of like, oh, that's it? Yeah. Is that it?
1: Yeah. And you know, I've always been kind of a numbers person as well. And so for me, building a platform was really rewarding because Mm -hmm. I could see, oh, my numbers are going up. Oh, I'm getting, you know, uh, I have more Facebook followers. I have more, you know, email subscribers. And so that was improving. But I think I was kind of feeding off of that instead of, Really focusing on the craft, you know, and becoming a better writer alongside of that.
0: Yeah. So, how do you count success now, then? Mm.
1: (laughs) That's such a great question. Um, I was at a writer's retreat, was it last summer, or maybe two summers ago, right after I had signed that first three-book contract, and one of my friends came up to me, Kelly Kripsik, and she said, so, do you feel like you've arrived now, you know? And I realized I hadn't, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had arrived. And then I started to think, well, what, what would it take to get to that place? And should I, should I want to get to that place? Like, is that a a legitimate goal or like a desire that I should have? And so I've thought a lot about that for the last couple of years. And I've kind of come to the conclusion that I just want to be, I want to be in the present. So I want to be—today, I want to be talking with Ann Croker. And, you know, on Tuesday, I'm going to be launching a book. And who knows what the next days will bring, you know? But I just want my writing life to be much more about now. Because the things that we look forward to, the things that we kind of hold out there is like these amazing things that are going to happen— they're good when they happen, but they're never life-changing or rarely life-changing, right? So, like, when I when I co-wrote my first book and then saw it on a bookshelf, I was kind of like, oh, I mean, it was fun, but, you know. And then hmm. when I wrote my own novel and saw it on a bookshelf, that was a little more exciting, but it didn't change my life, you know, necessarily. And so I feel like now that I've experienced those things and I realize, like— It's not going, like, my life, probably nothing, no landmark is going to revolutionize my life. So I just want to, I want to enjoy where I'm at. I want to enjoy the book that I'm currently working on. I just want to be more in the present.
0: So now I can't ask the next question, which is, what's next? (laughs) What are you looking forward to? Oh, foiled. Uh,
1: No, I mean, you try to do that, but, you know, you're always looking ahead a little bit. I think... Um, I'm currently in the middle of edits for the novel that comes out next summer, and it's the toughest thing I've ever written as far as structure and character development, and so I still have a ton of work to do on that, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to digging back in once I get those edits back from my editor. So that's kind of what's next. Um, uh, Once We Were Strangers comes out on Tuesday, so that'll be really fun.
0: Are you on track to write your ten books uh, and t- uh what a, that's what a good a, question. So yeah, 10 pattern? books in 10, ten years. years yeah. Ten ten years.
1: So oh, yeah. the day the angels fell was, t- I wrote that in 2015, 14, um, edge of over there. I'm probably pretty close. Yeah. So I'll have four books, books next summer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Four fiction. Uh, three, are you three. N- yeah. Are you I'll, counting, I'll count once we were strangers. So yeah. I yeah. You should. So yeah, I that, so that would be four. Yeah.
1: It'd be close. Yeah.
0: And do you think you're going to do more nonfiction?
1: I don't have any plans okay. to do more. I'm, and that's the thing with, well, with any book that you write these days, you know, publishers want to see how the book did before that. And so yeah. there's always that pressure of, you know, yeah. trying to, yeah. is a book going to do well enough that if I have another book idea that people are willing to give it a shot. So I haven't really counted my eggs yet with the nonfiction because I'm sure a lot of that will depend on how Once We Were Strangers does.
0: Yeah. You sound the, the the commitment to the present seems like I'll do what I can today, yeah. and then we'll see what happens. Yeah. and mm-hmm. that seems like a very open-handed way mm-hmm. of viewing mm. your your launch. Yeah. Now, um, we were at an event the other day, and you were kind of playing around with the difference between what it means to have a book launch mm-hmm. and tell me tell and a book re-
1: release. Yeah, so I've really taken on the term release when I talk about my books coming out. It helps me to remember that I've done everything I can do up till now. And so where it goes from here is not totally in my control. That really helps when it comes to, you know, how well the book sells initially, who's talking about the book initially, who's reviewing it, how many reviews, all that kind of stuff can, can feel like a pretty heavy weight if you take it all on. And, and, you know, in reality, there's nothing that you can do. There's very little that you can do to guarantee any amount of success or reviews or things like that so yeah so I just think about releasing the book and the way that I can do that is by knowing that I've worked as hard as I could up until that point you know so I've done everything that I could I've reached out to everyone I can and then the day comes and you know I just enjoy it
0: that's really great I love it so release yeah just release it yeah yeah whatever whatever will be will be but that doesn't keep you from doing the work
1: right and so i continue to work and continue to do what i can but understanding that it's not in my hands
0: what are some activities you're doing obviously a podcast interview but yeah what else? yeah
1: so i'm actually flying to toronto to be on a tv show on tuesday which is fun yeah oh, That's <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and uh a few interviews a few more uh writers retreats and conventions next year i think i'll have a a um Blog post on Ann Voskamp's site coming up pretty soon. She okay. really loves um, helping refugees and, and that whole topic. So it was a good
0: fit. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Do you have any, uh, any final words of advice for writers? Just, and they could, maybe you could mm. speak to various stages mm-hmm. of writing.
1: Just keep going. Just keep going. You know, there are so many times I was journaling and writing for myself for you know, almost 20 years, 17, 18 years, before I finally got my first book contract for me. And so if you're a writer, you just have to keep writing and keep going and you're gonna be extremely discouraged sometimes. You know, there are gonna be times when you feel like this is never gonna happen. One of my lowest points was we were six months in with trying to pitch The Day the Angels Fell and hadn't heard back from anyone, you know, or only rejections. So I was really discouraged at that point, but I had no idea I was a month away from a three-book contract, you know? So y- you just have no idea what's coming up if you can just keep going.
0: That's good. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. How can they find you online, uh, social media, wherever you want to send mm-hmm.
1: them? Yeah, um com, S-H-A-W-N Smucker um, and same name at Instagram at Twitter you nailed it you grabbed yeah. them all good for you <laughs> yeah. and
0: then you had that free um, that free gift that yes. they can grab mm-hmm. um, tell me where they can get it I can actually add a link to the show okay. notes so mm-hmm. people can go what yeah. I'll do is I'll just uh, for the listeners I will create um if you go to com and my name is K-R-O-E-K-E-R, so if you, mm-hmm. you have to spell a lot of things, but yeah. right, but go to com and I'll make it um, slash Sean Smucker. Okay, and you just spelled your mm-hmm. name, so yeah. if you can get all the spellings right, mm-hmm. um, I'll that'll take him to the page with all the information. But uh, describe yeah. that book again.
1: So building a life out of words. It's an ebook. Um, available on noise trade and it's basically me retelling the stories of my first year of trying to make a living as a co-writer so when we left our house in virginia when we felt like we were at the bottom and then you know finding more projects and sort of what life was like during that year
0: that's great yeah well congratulations on your book release and all your other books and all the things yet to come
1: thank you ann thanks for your time yeah
0: thank you for joining us i hope you enjoyed getting to know sean you can explore more about him at his own website, seansmucker.com, which he gave that in the interview. At the show notes for this episode, I will include a link to that free ebook, along with some other goodies, like a full list of the books that he has reread for analytical purposes. And you'll find that list, along with his social media links and that book and all that, at ancroaker.comslash Sean Smucker. I'm Ann Croker cheering you on as a writing coach in your ear. Everywhere we may meet, at my website, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, in your inbox. Here on this podcast, over at Patreon, or even in person, I'm always looking for ideas to share with you that will help you achieve your writing goals and have fun by being more curious, creative, and productive. Thank you for listening.